day of November. Come on. We are getting in to the best time of year right here, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Who knows that this is the best time of the year? You know it, right? You know it. Yeah, come on. All right. Well, we are, we Harvest Fest was great, and uh, now we can finish out the year really strong, and we just appreciate everybody that uh, helped out with Harvest Fest. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes here, but let's go ahead and stand up together tonight, and we are going to open things up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America because we know that this nation is coming to Jesus. Can somebody say amen tonight? All right, let's say it together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Yeah. And you may be seated. All right, we're going to go through some announcements here this evening. We got a bunch of good stuff going on. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you, if you are a Christian business owner, tomorrow, the Barstow Christian Ministerial Association, BCMA, we are hosting a tri-tip lunch for any Christian business owners. So it's tomorrow at 12 p.m. at Crossroads Assembly of God. So uh, we'd appreciate it. Hey, you can be there and it's going to be a great time for the Christian business owners. And if you're like, well, I'm a Christian and I work at a business. Hey, God bless you. Don't come. We need it. Okay. Wait. Oh, you're laughing at that. That wasn't even the joke. Okay. So uh, let's see. Uh, Harvest Fest. Let's talk about this. Who was at Harvest Fest on Friday night? Yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, we were able to just share the love of Jesus with a couple thousand people, give out a whole bunch of candy, and we saw some salvations and everything. It was a great night. Amen. Huge success. And so this Friday uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. is the Volunteer Appreciation Dinner. All right. And so if you helped out in any way, we want you to come on out and be with us. We're going to be roasting some hot dogs and having some nachos and stuff like that. And I don't know what all they're doing, but it's going to be great. So be there 6 to 8 p.m. on Friday night, and uh, and it's going to be great. Please bring a lawn chair uh, to sit on. We're going to be having some tables and chairs, but they asked me to tell you to uh, bring a lawn chair maybe, and and then we can just assure that everybody has a good time. All right. Uh, There is no men's meeting in November. Uh, It's a busy weekend already, and so uh, we're just not going to be able to do it this month. But are there any ladies here? Right on. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Ladies, bringing it tonight. Uh, so the November women's meeting is going to be Friday, November 10th at 630 in Victory Hall. You are studying the book of Ruth. Let's hear it for Ruth. And your menu is Mexican food, ladies. Come on. Yeah. 
Me and the boys will be there. And then we're going to go home. All right. All right. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, so Friday, the 10th at 6.30, be there. And uh, then uh, we're going to be doing baptisms. Can you grab the sheet, please, Robert, from the info booth? I want to pass that around. Water baptisms are coming up Sunday, November the 12th. And, uh, you know, I encourage you, if you've never been baptized, I highly encourage you to take advantage of this right now. We do it a few times a year, but uh, it's, it's very important, especially uh, in this uh, important hour that we are living in. I think that you, uh, if you haven't been baptized, you really should be. We do understand that it's not what is getting you into heaven. Uh, your salvation and calling the name of the Lord is that, but Jesus did encourage us to get baptized. So, and oftentimes we'll see somebody that maybe got baptized or sprinkled as a child and they didn't even, you know, they don't remember it. They didn't choose it. Their parents just did it. Well, as an adult, often they want to do it now of their own free will and choice. I would encourage you to sign up as well and to take this chance to make a public statement of your faith of your own free will. Can we say amen to that? That's a pretty big deal. Amen. All right. And then my favorite Sunday of the year is coming up, everybody. Listen, it is the church Thanksgiving dinner. Let's go. Yeah. Now, you all know what some of my favorite foods are. Sign up to bring those and then, you know, take care of yourselves, too. But uh, I'm going to want to see some cheesecake and things of that nature. Uh, but it's going to be Sunday, November 19th. Uh, we will have the sign-up sheet to pass around starting this Sunday. And so uh, if you haven't been here for a Thanksgiving dinner before, it is the biggest and best Thanksgiving dinner of your life. This whole side of the sanctuary is tables all set up. And we just have a big old family pitch-in time together. Uh, so we will be passing around the sign-up sheet. It's also an annual tradition that I wear my Thanksgiving Argyle sweater, you know? Amen? It's Jose. He always likes that. Uh, no one's excited? Okay. Dave, can you give me a little little love on that? Thanks, bud. All right. So, yeah. Here's the deal about what you're like, why is this sweater so special? Well, I've been wearing it since 2007, and it still fits, which I think, you know what I mean? So if, if, if God, if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead after four days, he can make me fit into the same sweater for 16 years, which is a huge deal. So it's kind of my gift to you guys. All right. Well, with all that being said, I think that's all the announcements we have for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Amen. Mrs. Pastor is going to come on up tonight and do our Wednesday evening tithes and offerings. And if you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Amen. Thanks, Cletus. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 Also, I want to remind you that the November devotional is in. This month is on healing and health. And not only that, but on Sunday evenings, pastor's doing a series on healing. So the time to get tanked up on healing and faith for healing is when you're not sick. Hallelujah. And then, then if the devil comes knocking on your door, you have the ammo to get him off your door. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about Luke 6:38. Hallelujah. You ready for this? Jesus said, "Give."
You know, if you, yeah. <laughs> for those of you who are new, a few years ago, like every Wednesday night for I don't know how long, we did Luke 6:38, and so these folks obviously were there during that time because they know it by heart, right? Amen. So Jesus said, "Give," and He said, "It shall be given unto you." He didn't say, "Give," and you're going to go broke. Okay. So God's financial system is completely opposite from the world's. So when you see when Jesus says things like this, it may make your head go tilt, tilt, tilt. But his system is the best system because his system is the one that works. Amen. Amen. So did you all get your envelopes for your giving? All right. Good deal. Okay. Well, let's stand up and say our financial faith confession. And then you can come on up and worship at the altar. It's a great place up here. All right. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, join us up here at the altar after you're done praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord with your tithes and offerings. Let's sing to him.
tell you that you are welcome here. And we want you to have your way in this house tonight, Lord. I thank you that uh, that we give you free course to do whatever it is that you want to do. We love you and we praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can we maybe just sing the chorus one more time there? One more time. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, You know, there's nothing like the presence of God. And that's, you know, why it's so important for us to gather together in his name. Uh, he said, or two or more gathered in my name, I am right there in the midst of them. And we understand that we can come into the Lord's presence at any time as a New Testament Christian, and there's nothing greater than that. Uh, but the presence of God, according to the book of Psalms, is his shelter. It's a fortress. Amen. And sometimes, especially the day and the age that we live in, you need to be in the fortress. You need to be in the shelter of the Most High. And how you get in there, man, is is worshiping the Lord. Amen. Can we give the Lord a little bit of praise tonight? Hallelujah. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. All right. You give somebody a high five as you're making your way back down to your seat there. And we're going to dismiss the kids that are, uh, you know, the ones that have class back. <laughs> yeah. So if you're one of the kids that has uh, class door, you can be dismissed now. Your teachers are going to get you back there. Amen. There's so many classes that I just saw. I honestly don't know where they all are. <laughs> People ask me questions around here, and I'm like, probably nobody knows less than I do. I, I don't know. I, I should know more about our you know this church, but praise God. I'm just here to preach. All right, very good. Well, we're going to be getting into the Word of God tonight. Who's ready to get into God's Word this evening? Amen. All right. Well, tonight we're going to be uh, preaching along the lines of, here's the title. It's called Only Believe. Only Believe. And we're going to be talking about faith this evening. And, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot on end times and things like that on Sundays. But in the midst of all that, it's really important for us to uh, to have have our faith uh, fully functioning where it needs to be. Faith is essential. Faith is imperative in this day and age because we know that there are some things that only faith can get. You know that, right? And I was, uh, you know, I was listening to Pastor Willie George earlier today and, uh, he was talking about how, you know, the Cowboys, man, back in the day with their lasso, they are so good with it. And I, I watch Cowboy shows because inside I'm about 78 years old. On the outside, I'm 38. So on the, but, but I watch these old Cowboy shows and these guys, man, they're lassoing and, and the cool thing about having a lasso and a rope and being good with it is you can reach things that are way beyond your reach and bring them into you. Amen. And faith is like a rope. You can 
Grab things by faith and pull it in to where you are and obtain it. And so there may be some things that you've been praying for, some things that you've been trusting God on, believing God for, and they may seem just out of reach. Get your faith rope out, man. Swing it around a few times. Grab that thing and bring it into you, man. Bring it in. Faith is like a rope. And so tonight, we're going to be talking about the importance of belief, amen, where Jesus said, only believe, all right? So let's pray, and then we're going to dig into God's word together tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we are blessed that we can gather together in the name of Jesus. We are here in your name tonight, Lord. And I pray that as we open our hearts uh, to your word, Lord, we know that you're going to change our lives. I pray that if we've been a little bit weak, if we've been struggling a little bit, Lord, I thank you that we're here and faith comes when we hear the word of God according to Romans 10, 17. So tonight we are getting strength. We are getting answers. We are getting encouragement. We are getting the motivation we need, Lord, to take the step of faith and obey you. We love you and we praise you. We ask you to have your way in this house tonight. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen? All right, let's go. Number one, okay, we're talking about believing, but number one, unbelief. Unbelief pulls the plug on the power. Unbelief pulls the plug on the power of God uh, working in your life. And so I want to show you something here in Mark 6, and uh, we're going to look at verse, starting at verse 5, okay? Mark chapter 6. Now, we know that with God, all things are possible. Who knows that tonight? That with God, all things are possible, but there are uh, some things, you know, in our life that God is not just going to force the miracle on you. God's not going to just force things upon you. And so we've got one of the strangest stories out of all the gospels right here, because we actually have an instance where Jesus couldn't do something. And you're like, what? No way. Well, check this out. We're talking about there. uh, There's a lot of power in believing. Do you know that tonight that there's power in believing? And you better know, write it down if you need to. There is a lot of power also in unbelief. Just like believing God and having faith is powerful and can move mountains, unbelief can tie the hands of God in your life. Unbelief can just pull the plug right out of the wall of God's power in your life. Unbelief will keep the mountain there even longer. Unbelief is crippling and devastating and and it has no place in the Christian life. And so Mark chapter 6 and, and again, this is a, a very, very kind of bizarre story, really. This is Jesus in his hometown. Now, Jesus has been kind of going from town to town, village to village, place to place with, with the boys, with the disciples. They've been preaching. They've been healing the sick, casting out devils. They've been doing miracles. And it's just been an incredible ministry tour everywhere they go. And so here they are going in to Nazareth. Jesus' old stomping grounds. He was raised in Nazareth. And so everybody's thinking, man, if it was good over there, just wait till we get to Jesus' hometown. It's going to be off the charts, man. We're going to be seeing miracles like we've never seen before. 
So let's see what happens when Jesus rolls into his old neighborhood and preaches and does the same things he's been doing everywhere else. Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do. He could not do. It doesn't say he wouldn't do. Check that out. It doesn't say that he would not do. The Bible literally says Jesus could not do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Look at this. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus was amazed at the level of unbelief that took place in his hometown. And if you look at the preceding verses there, the verses that came right before that, you see people's attitude. They're like, wait a minute. This is Jesus. We know Jesus. He's Joseph's son. He's a carpenter. Jesus. Hey, remember me? We went to grade school together. But 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 they they, they didn't have any faith in Jesus. And it's astounding that everywhere he went, he was raising the dead. He was, I mean, walking on water. He was doing the miraculous. But right here, the power of their unbelief was so amazing that Jesus literally could not do. And so in our lives, we get this attitude. Yeah, if Jesus wanted to, he could just come in and change all my problems instantly if he wanted to. But I know he doesn't, blah, blah, blah. And, and listen, no, check it out. Jesus, there, there, there's two parts to the miracle. Check it out. There's two parts. Listen, God's got his part and you've got your part. God supplies the power, right? God supplies the power. You got to supply the faith. You have to believe. He can't do the believing for you. You have to do that part. And so just like we have electricity coming into this building, well, Edison is sending the power here, but on our end, we got to flip the switch. We got to plug it into the wall, right? We got to plug in. We got to flip the switch. We have to do our part. And so many people think that God's just going to do it all. Don't be a lazy Christian. Would you do me that favor? Would you just not be a lazy Christian? Would you know that, hey, God's good. God's got the power. And what I got to do is I have to believe in his power. I have to trust that what he said will happen, but I have to do that part. You understand that? God's not going to do that part for you. And, and the power of unbelief is so strong that the Bible literally says Jesus could not do any mighty miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people. And, and, and if you look at the actual Greek language right there, it, it's specifically saying that it was people with minor ailments or things like that, just little things. And, 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 and just little, little things that was, you know, not, not any big deal at all, but Jesus everywhere he went, huge miracles happened. And this is the only recorded story of Jesus not being able to do what needed to be done. Think about that in our lives. Unbelief pulls the plug on the power. Let's flip over to Mark chapter nine, Mark chapter nine. Amen. We're trying to encourage you tonight, trying to teach you a little bit. Mark chapter nine. And here's another interesting story. Man, we're just, we're looking at some good ones tonight. Mark chapter nine, starting at verses, uh, we're looking at verses 20 through 27. Mark chapter nine, 
starting at verse 20. And here's another great example. It says, so they brought the boy. Uh, there was a, a, a dad came to came to Jesus and his son was demon possessed. So they, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Well, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. He hasn't that, I mean, get that. Isn't that a sad story right there? The devil messing with a little child since he was just a little boy. But Jesus was on the scene that day. Isn't that good news? Amen. And so the dad says the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Who knows that tonight? That anything is possible. He's got the power. But what did Jesus say? If a person believes. Do you believe tonight that Jesus could fix this problem that you're facing? Do you believe that Jesus could turn this thing around? Do you believe? And so verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now that sounds like such a confusing statement, but Jesus, he didn't stop and rebuke that. He didn't stop and say, man, you're crazy. No, Jesus got that. And then I don't even know how to fully explain that verse right there, but I get it. Have you ever been there? Like Jesus, I know I, I do believe, but you got to help me overcome my unbelief right now. And I, I don't theologically know the proper way to get that out there to you. But if you know, you know, amen. And I've been there. And so, and so the dad, he's holding on. But look at this, verse 25. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, Oh, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Amen. The boy was delivered. I mean, side note, I'm just like all over these bunny trails lately. And so I don't, I don't preach on this ever, but I highly encourage you to not let your children get involved with demonic activity around Halloween <laughs> because you end up having stuff like this happen and you're like, oh, preacher, you're being crazy. I'm just telling you now, and I, I can tell you from people that I've worked with and person, you know, you think I'm crazy. I've literally cast the devil out of some people. And one guy in particular told me it started, yeah, when I was a kid, man, I started getting involved in, in, in horror movies and in spooky things and playing around with witch stuff and black magic and witchcraft. And I'm telling you, you may not believe me and that's fine. You give the devil this much space. You open the door this much, boom, he will plow it right open and come in and do some gnarly, nasty things in your life. And so you can call me a fogey. You can call me whatever you want to call me. I don't let the devil, man. I don't know. No, no, my kids ain't doing that stuff. Amen. So there you go. That's my spiel. Amen. All right, let's go. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you still love me? Do you still love me? All right. And so... 
I, we saw there in verse 24 that this dad, he identified where he was at. He identified that I'm trusting you, Jesus, but there's some unbelief taking place right there. And once they addressed this issue, once, once they addressed this issue, God's power showed up. But there's something interesting in verse 26 that I, I, I think needs pointed out. Many times, man, you have rebuked the devil, you have cast him out, you have done what you were supposed to do, and many, many times the devil will throw one more little tantrum on his way out. Oh, yeah. And you see it in the Bible, and I've seen it, and maybe you've seen it, but he, he doesn't want to go, amen? He, he had a good time. He likes messing with this little boy. He likes messing in your life. And so when you take authority in Jesus, he has to flee, amen? James 4 says, when you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. He has to. He's got no choice, but know this, he can be a spoiled little brat and he's gonna, he's gonna throw a little tantrum on his way out. And in this case, he kind of shook the boy up one more time and then he left. Amen. And so sometimes you're like, man, I took authority. I did this and it just seems like things got a little crazier for a minute. That's normal. That's normal. It happens, but you just know he has to flee in the name of Jesus. Who knows that tonight? Man, give God some praise. You got authority. Write it down, write it down. Luke 10, 19 and 20. Luke 10, 18, 19 and 20. It tells you that you've got authority over all the works of the devil. You need to know that tonight. Uh, let's look at this verse. Colossians 1, 23. Colossians 1 and verse 23. 1, 2, 3. Let's go. Colossians 1, 23. And this is, I, I believe, a very important verse for us tonight. And so we're just kind of doing a little, uh, little uh, review lesson, a little brush up on our faith tonight. We've been studying some deep and heavy things lately, and I don't ever. We are a faith church. We are that. We are a faith church, and so I want you to remember this stuff. Colossians one, and verse twenty-three. The Apostle Paul, he writes this to the church of Colossae. He says, "But you must continue." to believe. Can you say that phrase with me? Continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. And so way too often we get excited and pumped up for something that we prayed for maybe for a day or two. You came in here, you got some faith in you, you heard the word, the, you know, the worship was good, uh, the ushers were looking good that night, just everything clicked, amen? And so it was like, wow, what a powerful service. And then you're pumped up for a day or two. But then, you know, here comes Tuesday, here comes the middle of the week, and you lose, you know, the, the, what you had. You lose the fire that you had. And so this verse is so important to us right here. This verse right here holds the answer to why we don't see a lot more results than we see sometimes because we're not sticking to our guns on some of the issues. We're not continuing to believe. We're believing for a minute and then letting go of it whenever life happens. And so it tells us right here, we have to continue to believe this truth. Amen. Who knows the truth from God's word tonight? 
I mean, listen, you're in a good environment right now. We're feeling it in here. I mean, I know the God's presence and anointings in here. And so you're in the right place, no doubt about it. But on Thursday and on Friday, you've got to continue to believe. And so we have to get the word on the matter. Whatever the situation that you're facing, listen, you will not win until you get God's word concerning the situation and get it firmly settled in your heart. Has there ever been something that you were totally convinced of and nobody could talk you out of it? You know, even if it was something dumb, like, you know, the Cowboys are a good team or something like that, you know, like, but just, I mean, sometimes you're, you're convinced. (laughs) I had to get one in. I'm sorry. Thanksgiving's coming. You boys know, Cletus sit down. All right. So, but I'm just saying, listen, Maybe there's just been something that, but for real, a good thing. Maybe you're just completely convinced nobody could talk you out of it no matter what. You've got to get that way with God's word. Just like you're convinced of what, you know, whatever it is, you've got to get God's word where if somebody came up and said, that's wrong. Nope. You can't have that. That's not for you. That's not for today. That's not that. No, you don't count. You don't qualify. You don't blah, blah, blah. You've got to be so convinced that you could look the devil in the eye. You could look the, the hater in the eye and say, you're a liar. This is true. And I don't care what happens. I believe this. Amen. You, even your circumstance, maybe it's not a person coming at you, but maybe your circumstances are saying, nope, yeah, the Bible does say that, but obviously it's not working for you. You've got to be so convinced and say, no, 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 it is working. It is working. Amen. I believe. I continue to believe. And I know that I may not see it yet, but beneath the surface, there's a lot going on right now. Amen. That the roots are going down and something great's getting ready to spring up out of the ground and I'm going to see my miracle. But you've got to get the word of God on whatever your situation is. Number two, number two, let God be God. Let God do his job. Let God be God. You know, I, I, I think about it like this, but imagine, you know, you're, you're, you have an amateur basketball team or something like that. And you've got like an NBA player on your team and, and you have on your team the capability, the power, the everything you have on your team, what it takes to totally dominate and beat every opponent that comes against you, but you don't ever pass them the ball and you always lose. Yeah, you've got like, you know, Michael Jordan on your team or something. I, I, you know, I would take 70-year-old Michael Jordan. I'd be, I'd be fine with that. And so you've got him on your team, but you never pass him the ball. You keep losing. And you're like, I don't know what's going on. You said you were on my side. You're on my team. Okay. And all, yes, God is for you. God is on your side. But this only begins to work when you trust him and pass him the ball. You're holding on to it yourself the whole time, man. You're going to get swatted. You're going to get. You're not going to get anywhere, dude. Yes, God is on your team, but you need to put the ball in His hands and quit hogging it all the time. Amen. Pass God the ball. Stand back. Watch what He can do. But you got to get it into His hands. You got to cast your cares upon the Lord, like Peter said in First Peter five. Let's look here at John chapter eleven. I got to keep the ball rolling on a Wednesday night, man. 
John chapter 11. And so this is the story of Jesus' friend, Lazarus. Jesus had a good friend named Lazarus. And in this story, he becomes sick and very sick. And his, his sisters, they send a letter to Jesus asking him to come quickly and heal him. Jesus told the disciples, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Because they're all like, Jesus, we better get over there to Lazarus. We heard he's really sick. And Jesus says, it's okay. This situation will not end in death. But then it gets weird because Jesus intentionally delays a few days before he actually goes to take care of Lazarus. And in the meantime, during this delay, Lazarus dies. And so John chapter 11 and verse 11. Now, Jesus told the disciples already, this isn't going to end in death. And then Lazarus dies. Isn't that a strange thing? Doesn't that seem like Jesus was wrong, that Jesus missed it, that Jesus lied? Well, no, no, no. Because here's the thing. What Jesus said goes. And even if the dude died and Jesus said it's not going to end in death, then Lazarus dying wasn't the end of the story. Amen. And so John chapter 11, uh, let's, let's go here to verse 11. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's soon going to get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, boys, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> you know, I added the one part. Because, but, and see, you know, I, I love how Jesus had to just sometimes be like, okay, you guys are not getting this. Lazarus died. <laughs> so verse 15, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Yay, let's go too and die with Jesus. <laughs> you know, doubting Thomas, there's several stories. <laughs> John seems to really call him out the most. But here he is, and he's like, yeah, let's go die with Jesus. And, and, and so he's just so negative. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. This is a big, big problem. It would be bad if he had been dead for four seconds. Right? I mean, it's pretty bad to die. Uh, that's a, you know, that's just, your odds aren't too good. And so, he, everybody, if he had been dead for four minutes, the man had been dead and been in the grave for four stinking days. And Jesus is like, hey, it's not too late. Right, guys? And Thomas is like, yeah, Jesus, you know, don't you want a guy like that on your team? You don't want that. And so, anyway, after four days of being dead, I would say that this would, be just about the most impossible situation I could think of. The ship has sailed. The die has been cast. It is too late for Lazarus to come back. And, you know, as you, as you read through the rest of the story, uh, you know, we don't have time tonight because it's a pretty long story. But you see, as Jesus gets there, his sisters are already like, Jesus, he probably stinks by now. And, you know, and it, it's just too late. If only you had been here. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, are all upset. And so there's a crowd of people. Jesus gets there. He not only has to handle the impossible situation and do a miracle, He's surrounded by doubt and unbelief on every single side. And sometimes you're going to find yourself in that type of position where you're maybe the only one in the room that believes. <laughs> and 
That's why it's so important to have the foundation of God's word strongly, strongly in your life. Because you can't always count on everybody else's faith to pull you through the situation. And so let's skip down here to verses 39 through 44. We'll read the rest of the story. Verses 39 through 44. And here we have, we're getting ready to see an absolute miracle here. And so verse 39, Jesus steps up there. He says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Isn't that just like a sister? Right? I know I'm being serious. I've got teenage boys and I've got girls. And listen, they always say stuff like this. That's probably what they would say if one of their brothers was getting Anyway, verse 4. Um, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Say that phrase with me. If you believe. I have people tell me, I don't ever see God's glory. I don't ever see miracles happen. I don't ever see blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's if you believe. No wonder you don't see miracles. No wonder you don't see these incredible mountain moving answers to prayer happening in your life. It's totally possible because with God, all things are possible, but not if you don't believe him. It's not gonna happen in your life. You have to believe Verse 41, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him or loose him and let him go. Amen. What a story right there. And so Jesus, listen to me, he can do it, but you've got to let God be God. You've got to let God be God. And oftentimes we let our mind get in the way of what God really wants to do. You know, we're like, man, I I know, like, I, I need a miracle. I know God can do it. But then in your mind, you think yourself out of the miracle. You talk yourself out of the miracle. You try to figure the miracle out. If you could figure it out, it wouldn't be a miracle. Right? And so just know that there are some incredible things God's going to do in your life that you will never understand until you get to heaven, maybe not even then. But it's okay. I don't have to know all the I'm I'm one of those guys. I don't I don't care. I just I thank God that it happened. I know some people are like, "Yeah, but I want to know all the intricate little details of how this little thing works and blah blah." I'm not like that. I'm like, "Hey, I put the key in and it started. I'm good. Let's go, you know." But but I know some people got to know how it works. Listen, There's some things, just trust God, you're not going to understand how or why, and that's okay, just let him do his job. Let him do it, amen? Don't talk yourself out of the miracle. God knows what he's doing. Here's a verse you could write down, I'm not turning there. 2 Chronicles 16.9, Chronicles 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. This is telling us that God's eyes are looking over the earth, 
to and fro looking for somebody that's got some faith so he can show himself strong on their behalf. Amen. And so I'm saying, Jesus, right here, look no further. I believe you. Do what you want to do in my life. I believe you. You know, there's this old saying, maybe you've heard it, but it's true. Let go and let God. Let go and let God. And you're sitting there like, no, 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 no. I need, I need this fixed. I need this fixed. I need this fixed. Let go. Let God have it. Clearly, you can't fix it. You ever been there? Clearly, I mean, if you could have, you would have done it already. You do not have the answer. You do not have the capability to fix this problem. You're going to have to let go of it and put it into God's hands. Give him full control of your life. Because oftentimes we give him partial control, partial access. Give him all access, a full pass. Let him have every part of your life. And then I want to go to point number three. With belief in God, anything is possible. With belief in God, anything is possible. And so I want to look at uh, one final story here tonight. I want to look at a story about two blind guys that followed Jesus begging for their healing. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Are you still with me tonight? Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 28 through 30. And you may be facing something right now that you, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're, okay, well, okay, trust God. How about that? Just put it in his hands. You're not going to figure this thing out. You're just going to have to trust that God can make a way. Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to go here to verses 28 through 30. Matthew chapter 9, verses 28 through 30. Who believes that with God all things are possible? Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 28, it says, They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. And so, I, I guess got to pause on that for a second. Do you think Jesus needed some positive words of affirmation from dr phil right here because he was having an identity crisis guys i'd like to do you think i could i don't know i'm just feeling do you think i could no jesus wasn't (laughs) jesus wasn't asking this because he needed ego boost or because he was down on himself he was identifying where they stood and I'm telling you, Jesus knew he could do this, right? Does, you know, does Michael Jordan know that he can hit the game-winning shot? Does Michael Jordan know that he can go hit a lay? Of course he does. Absolutely. And so if he got, do you guys think I could do this? Like, he knows he can do it, right? Come on. And so he's, Jesus is asking you the same thing. You're saying, Lord, I'm in a bind. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I've been dealing with this for years and I'm tired. I want to get through this. And he's saying, do you believe I can do this? He's asking you that tonight, November 1st, 2023. Do you believe? Because that's what it's going to come down to. It's not coming down to his power. That's provided. It's there. It has never, you know, it's never been stronger than it is right now. The power of God 
is totally there around the clock. That is not the question. The question is not, does God have the power to fix my situation? The question is, do you have the faith to believe him? That's what it comes down to. And so Jesus asked these guys, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do believe. Then he touched their eyes. He didn't do it beforehand. He did it after he knew where their faith was. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith. He didn't say, because of my great power, even though it was that. It was that. He could have said that, but he didn't say, because of my power, because of my awesomeness. He put it back on them. He said, okay, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were opened and they could see. And Jesus warned them, don't tell anyone about this. And I'm not going to break that down, but it wasn't his time yet to have that happen. And so here he is. And it comes down to this moment where their faith, their faith plugged in to the power of God and something miraculous happened. It's incredible what can happen when we connect these two things. And so one last verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1, I don't know if I put it on there. Hebrews 11.1. 1, you got to know this. You got to know it, man. All right. Sheldon said I could go a few more minutes. Anyone else with me? Huh? All right. <laughs> hey, I was trying to get you out of here by eight, but whatever. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go. <laughs> and so what, what you need to know is there's a difference between hope and faith. Between a hoping and a believing. And I, I remember this story several years ago. Uh, we were starting to have a bunch more kids. You know how that goes, right? Everyone, everyone in this church knows that. You all have a dozen kids like I do. And so uh, we were like, hey, I need a bigger car because I, I couldn't fit any more kids into this Nissan Sentra. I couldn't. They're just uh, legally or physically. And so, you know, we're stuffing kids in there. And, and I don't know, man. I, sometimes... I don't know. So Pastor Katie, uh, she she was telling God, hey, we need a van. And and she was telling the Lord that. And my faith at the moment just wasn't there. I was hoping for it, but I wasn't believing for it. And so she releases her faith. Well, one day somebody calls me out of the blue and is like, hey, we want to give you the keys to our van. And I'm moving, and I just want to give it to you. I don't even want to take it with us. It was uh, someone from the, a Marine. And uh, and so he just, he, he gives it to me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> huh? Where did that come from? Well, I call Pastor Katie, and she's like, yeah, I've been expecting this. I knew it the whole time. Like, what? How'd you know? Well, the difference was she was believing God for it. She had faith. I had hope. I was thinking, golly, it'd be cool if we could get a van for all these kids. And she was believing that it was going to actually happen. It didn't surprise her at all. And oftentimes, a person of faith, they'll have something miraculous happen, and they're just like, hey, right on, very good. And other people are standing around like, what? How are you not, like, shocked? How did you not faint at this good news? Well, they expected it the whole time. And, uh, they weren't surprised. They're happy. They're joyful. They're praising God. But they aren't shocked that God's word actually works. So oftentimes, you know, when we get the good news and we're just, you know, nearly passed out, I can't believe this actually happened. Wow. If you're a person of faith, 
we're excited, but we knew it was going to happen, right? We knew it was going to happen the whole time. And so she knew that this was going to happen. And so Hebrews 11, 1, NLT, 2006 version, Hebrews 11, 1, it says, faith is the confidence. Faith, what is, is faith confident? Oh, yeah. Faith is very confident. And, and that's why faith people can sometimes come across as, you know, you can read us wrong, you know, maybe a little arrogant or something or a little, but it's not like that at all. We're just confident. And sometimes confidence can be misinterpreted by other people. And so here it tells us that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we can not see. It gives us assurance. And so a faith person, you know, they may be trusting God for something and they're assured like, man, we got this. I'm good. Let's go. And people are like, oh, wait, you mean it, it actually happened yet? No. No, I mean, no, I don't, I, I don't have the keys yet. I don't have it in my hand yet. I don't have the, you know, but then why are you so, why are you saying that you've got it? Why are you so convinced? Like, because I've got faith and faith gives me assurance about things I can't even see yet. Amen. And people don't get that. People that are not faith people do not get that. And they think that we're crazy, but I think that they're crazy for not living this wonderful life. You know, I do. I I don't see how you wouldn't want to live this life. And so it, faith gives us an assurance and a confidence. It's great. And so hope, okay, hope is very important. First Corinthians 13 tells us that three things will remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But I would say that faith and hope have to be pretty important because they're, they made the list of three things that endure forever. So I don't want to overlook those, you know. And, and so hope will last forever. But hope, what is hope? Hope is the initial spark where maybe you're bringing something to God and, and maybe you've been hopeless. Maybe you've been in a spot where you're saying, I just don't think this could ever happen. Well, hope, hope says, okay, it is possible that God could do this. It is possible. And then faith says, oh, it will happen. Hope says it could happen. That's important. Faith says it will happen. Do you see the difference? And that's why Hebrews eleven six tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You will never please God without faith. Why? Because someone that comes to God has to have faith to believe that he actually exists because you can't see him. Who in here, you are totally convinced that God exists. This isn't just something we're doing. You know, I believe it. Who in here is actually seeing God Almighty face to face? Exactly, you haven't. It would kill you. <laughs> you would die. Uh, the Lord told us that in the book of Exodus. His glory would straight melt you into a puddle on the ground. You would, you would, you would cease to exist anymore. It, you know, and so you've never seen God Almighty face to face, but we are convinced of His existence. Why? Because we have faith. We believe. We've never seen Him, but boy, we've seen what He can do in a life. We've seen what he can do in a situation. And so I'm going to bring it in tonight, but I just want to tell you, I want to repeat this to you. Only believe. You're not responsible for the power part. That God's responsible. And believe me, he will do his part. You're responsible 
for the believing part, the faith part. And you will not have faith without the word of God. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close down there tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to have Pastor Josh come on up tonight. Was anybody encouraged this evening from this lesson on faith? Amen. Can you put Colossians 1.23 up there one more time, Doug? As the wonderful church family is standing up like I clearly asked them to do just a minute ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. Stand up. But Colossians 1.23. Colossians 1.23. I just want to read this one last time. This is so good. This is so vital for us right here. But you must continue to believe. Can you say that phrase again? Continue to believe. Who in here is believing right now? Because you got fired up a little bit from the message tonight. Amen. Now, tomorrow, when, you know, your kids wake up in a foul mood, when someone's being dumb on the freeway or whatever, continue to believe. God's still good. He didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. The angels are still real. But you've got to continue to believe, even when you're not surrounded by all these lovely people. Amen? All right, let's have our prayer team come on up tonight. We're going to close things out uh, with giving you an opportunity for prayer this evening. If you're here and you need prayer for anything at all, you know that we want to pray with you. We want to believe God to work in your life this evening. And you have faith at this moment if you listened tonight. Because Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith does come when we hear the word of God. You are in a moment of faith right now. If you have a need, if there's something that you've been believing God for, trusting for, now is the time to throw that rope out there and grab it and bring it up close to you and obtain it this evening. And so we're going to pray for you this evening and watch God do something great in your life. Pastor Josh is going to close us out in a worship song this evening. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up.
Who's glad they made time for Jesus even on a Wednesday night? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to close things out. We want to remind you that the Harvest Fest uh, Volunteer Workers Party is Friday night. If you helped out in any way, if you brought in hot dogs and candy and all that, we want to thank you too. So uh, just come out on Friday night, 6 to 8 o'clock, and we're going to have a good time celebrating together. And oftentimes at Harvest Fest, those that were working or whatever didn't, you know, get a chance to, you know, have some fun and celebrate. So this is a good chance for you to be able to do that. And uh, we just want you to take advantage of this. All right. So let's go ahead and we're going to close out in prayer. Then we'll do our Barstow Faith Confession. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And Lord, we know it's true that you've got the power, Lord. And we just have to believe you said anything is possible to somebody that believes, Lord. And so we believe you. We trust you tonight. And we know that we're going to see the miraculous. We're going to see whatever the situation is, whatever the giant is that's been trying to push us around and mess with us and then screw our life up. We say no. In the name of Jesus, we trust you, Lord, and we're going to see some miraculous breakthroughs and turnarounds in Jesus' mighty name. We praise you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's do our Barstow faith confession, and then you are dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.